Welcome to Our Jewish Roots with insightful Bible teaching from Israel with Dr. Jeffrey Seif. This week we see how faith brings down barriers on Joshua more than a conqueror. Welcome to Our Jewish Roots. I'm David Hart. I'm Kirsten Hart. And I am Jeffrey Seif. Now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I don't want to burst any bubbles, but in case you don't know it, there are some sneaky, deceitful people in this world. Things haven't changed uh, from generation to generation. Sin lives. Not everything is as it seems. We're going to explore that. But first, a question. I noticed those diamond rings. Is it true? <laughs> what? Is it true that when your husband gave you the last one, you had it tested to see if it was real or if it was, zoo what is it, a cubic zirconium, whatever it's called? Answer <laughs> the question. No, answer yes. the question. Okay, so you wanted to ver So you know, she knows the sneaky people in the world. We're going to see it in the Bible. <laughs> but he was good, right? <laughs> I know you're. Gibby and I, it's not so much. Right, not so much for them. You so mad much. at me for bringing this up here <laughs> on national <No>. TV? <laughs> hey, Dr. Seif is going to be teaching on location in Israel, but right now, let's find out the trickery that happened to Joshua. Let's go there now. It all seems so believable, and yet I was fooled by the Gibeonites' evidence of a lengthy journey from a so-called distant city. It takes weeks for bread to look like this. I should have known better. I've been deceived. How could I believe such a tale? Joshua, you weren't the only one. We all believed them. This story of their long journey to make peace with us, it seems so right. We just stumbled upon the truth. Dry moldy bread. Tattered sandals, evidence, they claim. All the while, they've been our neighbors. What's done is done. I've made peace with the Gibeonites, despite the Lord's warning to not do so with any of the Canaanites. And now we're in covenant, and we can't slay them. Joshua. The Gibeonites have come in peace. They've heard of Adonai and what he's done for us in slaying and destroying Jericho in the city of Ai. They were afraid they might be next. But they deceived us. Our tribal leaders have met and offered a solution. And what might that be? We need help at the tabernacle. They can cut wood to sustain the flames of our altar. And they can carry water for us as well. Yes. Yes, a wise decision. And they can learn of a real journey. Of 40 years in the desert, of the Lord's might and miracles, and of our bread which sustain us every step of the way. 
And remember, they've already agreed to be our servants. They're frail, broken people, but they have done well in fearing the Lord. The Gibeonites will live and will serve the children of Israel. United together, we will be unbreakable. Little is known of Gibeon's exact location. So we came to the general location of the Gibeonites, just southwest of what was the city of Ai. Sheep still graze in this valley today as they probably did 3,400 years ago when the city's residents used their clever schemes in seeking peace with Joshua's invading forces. It was a scandal, an outrage in fact. Wasn't expecting it. You read into the book of Joshua and you see the man, the leader, is quite the strategist. This is particularly evidenced with the last battle that I, where it's set up, uh, there's a scheme at play, it's thought out, well executed, and success. The skirmish before that, the war before that at Jericho, this strategy, but it's divine strategy. In the Battle of Ai, our leader is showing himself to be just that. And it's amazing, someone that smart still got duped. And it came down to something like this. Stale bread, if you can imagine that. Hard to break, crusty. Here's the real deal, well, uh, the fresh bread, you'd think someone would know the difference yesterday as today. Well, it wasn't just the bread in the case of Joshua because when those from Gibbon came, they came with tattered wineskins, worn out sandals, battered clothing, stale bread saying, we're from a far country and we, sir, want to make peace with you. And why is that? Well, momentum in sports and in war uh, it's hard to get, but once you got it, it is very eventful. When B'nai Israel, the children of Israel, were making their way into the land of promise, on the other side of the Jordan, they scored decisive victories. Once in, across the Jordan, in the, in the land of Canaan, then you have the story of uh, Jericho, a decisive victory. The Battle of Ai, decisive victory. The Hebrews are racking them up and the people round about are concerned. Those from Gibbon, this place right here, Al-Jib, it's known as that in antiquity in the 10th century. David ben Avram Alfasi, a cartographer, made note of this place. Another, uh, uh, another person, an archeologist, in the 1950s excavated and found 56 jars, the handles of which were marked with Gibbon, noting this place, these environs. A people once lived here, but now it's been covered up by the sands of time through the ages. But the story emerges in the biblical pages. We're told in chapter nine, and turn with me please, in verse three that the inhabitants of Gibeon heard 
what was happening and they were concerned. They didn't want to get annihilated, so they concocted a scheme. We're told in the text what I just told you in my narrative that they presented themselves to the Hebrews saying that we're from a faraway place. We're told in verse 5, lechem tzedom yovesh, that their provision was dry, the bread was dry. We're told, nikudim, and it became crumbs. So when they said they were from a faraway place, they provided evidences thereof. And what were they after in the process of so doing? They wanted a treaty. We're told in verse 6, as we read on what they say, Me'eretz bonu. We've come from a faraway place. Ve'ata kirtulonu berit. Make a covenant with us. In antiquity, it wasn't the least bit uncommon for stronger nations to enter into treaties with smaller peoples. They're referred to as suzerain treaties. A smaller, weaker entity makes peace with the larger and they carve out terms of endearment. Now, if you were um, involved in some kind of contract and you discovered that the other party entered into it deceitfully, it wouldn't be beyond the pale of reason for you to want that contract to be null and void. When the Hebrews found out they got duped, there was murmuring in the camp. They weren't happy campers, if you will. But still, interestingly, fascinatingly, they kept the deal. In verse 15, we're told, And Joshua made peace with them. And then he goes on to say that he went on in Karat Barit. He, he cut a covenant with them. And then he kept it. He was faithful, even when he discovered that they were not. We live in a world today with his covenant takers, covenant makers, and covenant breakers. Then as now. How do you deal with people in circumstance when people treat you wrong? Do you break? Do you renegotiate? What do you do with all that? Well, I want to explore this further. I'm going to tell you on the front end now that I think a secret to success in life has to do with character, keeping covenant. These people thought so as well, and they made it, and they wouldn't break it. And this, indeed, is a secret to success in life. I want to tease out some applications. I want to explore the implications. And like Joshua, I want to show you how with these principles, you can be more than a conqueror. A resource this week, the music CD, Zion Saw. During his lifetime, Zola Levitt composed over 200 spirit-filled songs. Now, David and Kirsten Hart, studio host of Zola Levitt Presents, provide fresh interpretations to 11 of Zola's compositions. Enjoy this beautiful music yourself, or share the CD with a friend. Contact us 
and ask for Zion Song. If you only watch us on television, you're missing additional content available only on our social media sites, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. You can always visit our website, which is home base for all of our ministry activities and information. There you can sign up for our free monthly newsletter, watch the TV program, or visit the online store. You can sign up for a tour of Israel and Petra or a cruise to Greece and Ephesus. Please contact us for more information. I would like to give a little shout out today to two people who watch us weekly at 11 o'clock at night. This is Kirsten's folks who watch us in Trenton, New Jersey. They watch us late at night and I think they know that they can watch us on Facebook um, they don't YouTube. have Facebook. They don't, they don't do <laughs> no. that. They don't have Twitter. They don't have anything. But we're so thankful that you watch us. <laughs> right. And we're thankful that you are on social media with us because, I mean, we do this program, but I'm telling you, on our, especially on our Facebook page, there's so many uh, different interest stories that we put on there from Israel. We have so much to offer on social media. Check us out. Like us, share us, that, that will make a difference. And we always also want to say thank you for making a difference financially in this ministry for supporting us so we can spread the good news of our Jewish roots around the world. Right now, let's go back to Israel with Dr. Seif's teaching. When I think about how important the little things are, I realize, truth be known, there really are no such thing as little things. I mentioned that, you know, people talk about white lies, just a little fib, or maybe there's just little ways that people kind of drop the ball. Maybe they don't keep their word, just little things. What if those little things aren't that little? When I think of uh, something that little, I'm reminded of the fact that it factors really large in the story of Joshua, where when we're at Gibbon, or dealing with those who dwell therein, the Gibeonites, we learn that there's no such thing as a little thing when it comes to someone keeping their word. Interestingly, uh, it's described in the Bible, a pious person is someone who keeps their word, they keep a vow even to their own harm. The Bible's a great story. We're looking at one here. To recap it, uh, Joshua enters into a contract with those from Gibeon. And it is a contract made by deceit, by stealth. He was snookered. It's interesting, by the way, a man who showed himself to be so very strategic in his battle at eye is duped by strategic people here. And he realizes it and they realize it and it leaves a sour taste in his and their, that is the people of Israel's mouths. Nevertheless, Joshua opts to keep his word. Why is that there in the biblical text? When I think of seven years of conflict, major conflict, things big, medium, and small, why is it something that's so small as this is given a considerable amount of attention in a book like this? I think it's because it's not small at all that if Israel is going to be successful, it's going to have something to do with the value system that resonates within 
Israelites, that is to say a Judeo, what we today refer to as a Judeo-Christian ethic. To be successful in life, and when I think of Joshua, of course, you've heard me to repeat, more than a conqueror, when I think of him, I think there are salient virtues within him that sets him apart from others, one of which is an intransigency, that is to say, will not be moved from keeping his word. Now, I'm gonna look at the word in a second, but before I get there, I wanna tell you, just as a dad who raised boys, I told my sons, not that they're gonna listen, but at least I communicated to them, you're gonna meet a girl, she's real cool, real hot, real rich, real biased, whatever it is, if she says she's gonna meet you at five o'clock and she's not there, dump her. You might think she's great, I think she's a Venus flytrap. You're gonna land on her and get devoured. I don't want my boys being with people that aren't good for their word, even in small things. Now, of course, I realize things come up. That's why God created cell phones. People can communicate. But with the lack thereof, if it's just someone who's not known to be good for their word, I don't want them in my family system. The extent to which I can control that as the boys grow up is open to question, but at least I wanted them to hear it from me. And, you know, Yeshua said as much, too. He says, you know, let your yes be yes and your no's be no. You shouldn't even need to swear in his, uh, I call it, Torah from the top, others call it the Sermon on the Mount. He is reflecting on the essence and substance, the constitution for a Christian life, a walk with the Lord. And uh, uh, foremost in all of that is people mean what they say and they say what they mean. When people swear, I swear to God I'm going to do this, I swear, I swear, they're coming from a value deficit. It should be their word is sufficient. They say they're going to do it, and they do it. But if you have to embellish it with, I promise I'll do this and that, it means in your mind, you don't think the person you're talking to is taking you seriously, thus the need to embellish. And why is that? Because you've calculated the fact that your word doesn't have equity in their mind, and there's a reason for that. You probably broke it down. Well, I want to look here in the text. I'll read it in Hebrew first. I'm in chapter 9 and verse 19. And the word is out to keep the word. And the people don't like it. But the princes weigh in. That is to say, Joshua sets the, the tone as the principal leader. And then his lieutenants carry out his word. You'll see uh, people are murmuring in verse 18. But in verse 19, uh, All the princes of the congregation... Uh, said uh, to the people, We have sworn to the Lord, the God of Israel, but we promised, we gave our word to the God of Israel, they say. It's very, very interesting. Now, therefore, we may not touch them. That is to say, we cannot go back on our word. It reminds me of the Lord. He says, if others are faithless, nevertheless, he is faithful. And to that end, let me uh, just share a, a comment to pivot to a principle. Uh, what it means to be Christian, essentially. You know, you, you hear in the text, Rabbi Paul talks about confessing with your lips that Jesus is Lord. We talk about the sinner's prayer today. Uh, I like it more as a commitment to allegiance to a sovereign. That is, we call him Lord. There's a social contract there that we as a subject, there's inherent commitments with that. And by the way, there's reciprocity. There's commitments that come from the sovereign by virtue of that. Would that we learn to make sure there's no daylight 
Would that we kept it tight where there's integrity, where there's correlation between what we say and what we do. That is extremely important. And if we learn that like Joshua, we will be more than a conqueror. It was a windy day in Israel. I had an opportunity to sit down and talk to Chaim Mailspin. We discussed integrity and how it plays out in the Israeli Defense Forces. Chaim, I want to speak to you about those from Gibbon. They deceived Joshua and the Israelis, didn't they? They did. They tricked them with those tattered clothes. They surely did. And you know, even after they learned they were tricked, uh, the Israelis kept the commitment they made to them. A commitment that was made through treachery, yes? Yes, but a commitment's a commitment, and our word is our bond. And with that, I want to talk to you not just about strength, and certainly the Israeli army is known about that. I want to talk about strength of character, that is to say, speaking and keeping what it is you say. Can you talk to us about that and how that works in the Israeli army? So I see that the strength of character is, is this loyalty. We talked about um, tenac tenacity for the mission, but this loyalty to our friends and to our land and to God, essentially, is something that perseveres and drives through. To that, I think there needs to be congruity between what we say and what we do. And in the military, there's the term band of brothers. That's yeah. bantered around beyond the Israeli Defense Forces. But there's a mm -hmm. commitment to defend, to protect, to work together yeah. till death do we part. And it really has to be us keeping our word. Yes, last word's yours. In Tebi, 76, think how crazy and scary it was for our own Prime Minister's brother Yoni to have died there to rescue those hostages, but they did it, and we must continue to do our part in God's unfolding of his prophetic plan for today. Thank you. For whom he died Could it be me For whom you cried that night in the garden, Lord, for me, would God I had died for thee. Could it be me who called? your life could it be me who caused such strife there in Israel you had to die for me would God I had died for They say he gave his life for his king.
it was thee for whom I cry in my night of salvation, Lord, for thee. It is always great to hear from our dear friend and brother, Chaim Mailspin. We love him. We do, and we also love bringing you the music of our show's founder, Zola Levitt. Yes. Uh, and I've, I need to bring this up. This has been on my mind as we've kind of chewed on this whole topic. Do we hold to our word, even though we know someone's deceived us? That's that's hard. It really is, and uh, Joshua gave an example of that. But the issue to me is so profoundly important in our culture, integrity. There needs to be congruity, and I say this in the teaching, between what we say, who we are, and what we do. It doesn't mean just telling the truth. We should represent ourselves in a way that's truthful to what ourselves and who ourselves, what we're all about. Right. I think if, yeah, if, we, hard, yeah. if we listen to that small voice every time we heard it and trusted that it's God speaking to us, I think things would be so different in our world. Yes, and with that, if we would just be, I want it to be, it's the same Jeffrey Seif who's on a TV set, who's lecturing in a classroom, who's with his wife and with a friend, right. we're out to eat. The same person, not work with, with, with you know, with, with, with different um, facades to post. That's a lack of integrity. Even if you're not saying an untruth, you're living an untruth. And uh, it's healthier uh, spiritually, emotionally, personally, to bring it all together and just be you, whatever that is. And, I, and we have to credit Joshua for right. that. Even finding out afterwards, I've been duped. I've been tricked. We've, we've, I think we've all had that <laughs> in life. But he kept his word, and our program's title is Our Jewish Roots. You want to know what those roots are? They're good roots. The Roots of Integrity, and Joshua gives us that example today. Yes, character is so important. Thanks for bringing us back to the point. I was kind of spiraling out <laughs> You're there good. with a number of things, but yes, uh, indeed. You are always so smart, and you bring such a good word. Thank you for that insight today. Yes. Also, we want to thank you, our viewers, for your financial support. We could not go to Israel. We could not do dramatic reenactments. We couldn't sing Zola songs without your support, so we thank you so much for that. Yes, and thank you from the bottom of our hearts, from the hearts ah. and myself. <laughs> Till next time, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Join us right now for additional content that is only available on our social media sites, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Visit our website, levitt.com, for the current and past programs, the television schedule, tour information, and our free monthly newsletter, which is full of insightful articles and news commentary. View it online, or we can ship it directly to your mailbox every month. Also on our website is the online store. There, you can order this week's resource, or you can always give us a call at 1-800-WONDERS. Your donations to Our Jewish Roots help us to support these organizations as they bless Israel. Please remember we depend on tax-deductible donations from viewers like you.
This has been a paid program brought to you by Zola Levitt Ministries.